welcome to another episode of The Menopause Project. This is the show where women share their experiences of their peri to post-menopause transition and where experts empower and educate you around different aspects of living well and having a positive mindset. I am your host, Clarissa Christensen. I'm a menopause transition specialist and I am also a speaker and an author. I have a deep passion that women can thrive through this time of life with the right support and knowledge. So join me each week as I interview a different guest on a different aspect of this, probably the biggest transition in a woman's life. Well, on this show today, I'm excited because I've got someone who is a menopause coach, mentor, and really works with women in some really important areas around things like pelvic floor, constipation, and much more. <laughs> so I'm excited that Jade Blinkhorn is joining me from the UK. Welcome, Jane, to the Menopause Project. Hi, thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to talk about pelvic floor, constipation, and vaginas, and all sorts. <laughs> I think that's great. I mean, we need to be talking about these things, don't we? We do need to be talking about it a lot more, a lot, lot more. Yes, definitely. But Jade, firstly, let's talk a little bit about you. I mean, tell us a bit about you and how you came to be working in this space. So I got into the wellness and fitness industry over 10 years ago. Um, I've been working as a women's health expert for a very long time. And I actually started by working with pregnant women. So I did my pre and postnatal wellness practitioner course. Um, and I started noticing that women were scared to get back into exercise after babies because of their pelvic floor. Mm. So then I went and did a diploma all around pelvic floor work, around breath work, um, around hormones and came back. And I assumed very wrongly that when I started doing my pelvic floor work, all of my clientele would be new mums. Oh boy, I was so wrong about that. Um, <laughs> I actually started attracting a whole new market, which was women who were going through menopause and perimenopause. So then after that, I realized, you know, I needed to go away and get a bit more qualified in this area. So I did courses around hormone imbalance, menopause nutrition, menopause exercises. I did uh, Jenny Burrell's third age course and I've done so many courses. Um, so now here I am. I regularly run workshops around perimenopause, menopause, around pelvic floor, around HRT. Um, and I do online stuff with hysterectomies as well. Wow, that's so important. I mean, these are areas that we're not talking that much about. We're talking, I think, a lot about hot flashes and menopause bellies. But actually, there's a lot more going on, isn't there? Particularly internally as we go through, through the menopause. Yeah, there's a huge amount. So at, at the current stats say that one in four women over the age of 45 will be urinary incontinent. And one in five women over 45 will be fecally incontinent. That is scary. That's a lot of women out there who have these problems that can be fixed. And they're, they're shameful things, aren't they? I think that women are ashamed if you pee your pants or even poop yeah, your I think pants would be even worse. Yeah. I also think that... There's the assumption that if you've had children or if you are an older woman, that leaking a little bit is completely normal and it's fine. It is normal. It's not common. No, it is common, but it's not normal. No. We need to start breaking that, that taboo and have that conversation around the fact that most times you can fix these pelvic floor problems. Mm. So what usually happens, I mean, so women, this happens to women. I mean, 
where do they normally go for support and help when that happens or don't they seek out any help and support initially a lot of my clients who eventually have come to me have just grinned and bared it they one woman said that um she did try to go to a gp and a gp just said well you've had three children what do you expect and that is terrible advice um because it can be fixed so most times I will refer women if it's something that I can't fix like a prolapse most times I'll refer women to a women's health physio yeah women's health physios do amazing jobs and I know there are companies like the mummy MOT who do work with specifically new mums but general women's health physios can work with women from any age can go via for a referral through your GP um but there's so much out there internet wise that will give you so much good information, like making sure that you're drinking enough water, which sounds really obvious, but it is connected. Making sure you're doing your pelvic floor exercises, mm. make sure you're not putting anything weird up in your vagina, like weights, like your vagina was not designed to lift weights. You don't just put weights <laughs> in your vagina. So yeah, it's just having that conversation and also admitting that you need help because it's, it can be quite embarrassing admitting that, you know, you laugh, you pee, you can't go to a fitness class because you might wet yourself. It's not a set of subjects. Uh, you laugh, you cough, you sneeze and something like that. And then you wee a little bit. And there's also urging continence, which is where when you have to go, you have to go right there. You have to go right there. And then and if not, you are going to wet yourself. So it's not just one type. Um, sometimes women, if they have a lot of UTIs, they might suffer more from urging continence. Um, sometimes it's a mindful thing. A lot of women are quite stressed about their bladder. If they know that they have to go a lot, that'll make things even worse. And of course, if you have had children or if you're taking certain types of medication, then stress incontinence can, can happen. And I get that. I mean, sometimes, you know, I find that I'm going to the toilet just before I get out. And then when I get somewhere, I feel I need to go to the toilet. And I'm, I'm sure that's stress-related incontinence piece of advice that I was given a few years back by a woman GP was to go to the uh, toilet not too often to try and hold my bladder for longer and I found that kind of a mixed message or a very confusing message. Um, I mean what's your take on that kind of advice? So I think what the GP was trying to say there is just in case weeing is really bad for your bladder. So usually when women are going out, they're leaving the house, they go, oh, I'll just go for a wee just in case. Or they'll stop somewhere that's got a toilet and go, oh, I'll, I'll, just in case. Yeah. And then they won't actually need to go. So what happens then is that your bladder starts to think that it is full when it's not. So if you keep having just in case wees when you're only weeing a tiny bit, then your bladder will think, oh, this is a new full. I have to release my bladder now. That's the reason behind that. So if you are someone who's sitting there thinking ah, I do that all the time the length of your wee should be about six to seven seconds so if it's anything less than that you probably could have held it a little bit longer and if you are just in case weeing all the time stop as long as you're not drinking three liters of water and then thinking she told me not to go for just in case we so I'm going to hold it in if you drank that much please go please don't hold it in I I mean sometimes with breastfeeding women don't drink enough because when you are breastfeeding you do need to drink extra water um they don't know why but again we do need to drink in more than two liters of water a day if you're not you know if your wee's not the right color which is a very weird subject I know then do do be aware of what color your urine is it should be very pale yellow and mm -hmm. um, of course if it's dark and it smells strong then please drink lots more 
and not coffee, actual water. <laughs> all that sugar and all that milk. I start to get really bad headaches if I don't drink enough water. I get like really crippling migraines. So it's quite easy for me to remember to drink the water. <laughs> Otherwise, I just feel really crap. I think, Jade, you know, urine incontinence is something that maybe women know something about. But the stat that really blew me away was when you talked about fecal incontinence. I mean, that's one in five women. That's a lot. And we don't talk about that because, you know, I think personally, I would find that very, very embarrassing to have to to raise with anybody, even my GP. I mean, how do women begin to approach this? What can they do and to overcome their embarrassment and to actually start taking some control over their fecal incontinence? Yeah, I mean, no one wants to be that person who goes to the GP because they can't they can't control their bowels properly. And of course, fecal incontinence, it can be quite serious and it can also just be leaving some evidence in your underwear as a polite way to say it. It can be a super embarrassing thing to talk about, especially if you're going to your GP, you don't really know your GP and you've got to tell them this really personal secret. So again, like women's health videos can massively help. And again, drinking water can help a lot. And the reason why is when you are dehydrated, you get constipated. Now, when you get constipated, it puts a massive strain on your pelvic floor. And because if you imagine that your pelvic floor is like cling film and you have some items on the cling film and then you're pushing on that cling film and you're pushing and you're pushing and you're pushing, eventually something's going to give way and that's your pelvic floor. So if you are suffering things like incontinence and you have got things like hemorrhoids, these can be real red flags that something isn't quite right with your pelvic floor. Also little symptoms like lower back pain as well. So if you've got a combination of all three, definitely start doing your pelvic floor exercises. Look at your diet. Now your diet is going to be super, super key for your pelvic floor. So you want to make sure you're eating lots of fiber. Um, I know this sounds really obvious, but if you live with someone, don't go from eating no fiber to eating loads. They won't like that. <laughs> they will not like that. Slowly increase your fiber intake. It's really easy. If you think, well, I'm British. If you look at a typical British diet, it's usually like cereal for breakfast, a sandwich for lunch, and then maybe something basic like a protein, a little bit of veg and loads of carbs for tea. We don't generally focus on fiber. But they're really, it's really easy to include it in with things like flax seeds and just getting a high fiber cereal. There's the small changes that you can make that can have a huge impact on your pelvic floor in a good way. Yeah, and it sounds, yeah, not to mention things like chickpeas and lentils are amazing for menopause symptoms. So there we go. Eat your chickpeas. <laughs> and if you are regularly constipated, things like you can get specific stools to help you go to the bathroom where you raise your knees up which is a more natural pooping position i guess is how to describe it <laughs> and if you can't get a stool just pop a pile of books there that'll help um and it just helps make everything move because what we want to do is make things as easy as possible for your pelvic floor so if you are a woman who is 45 plus you know your pelvic floor like any muscle has been working within the body and the great news about it being a muscle is that you can strengthen it the same way that you strengthen any muscle, like the muscles in your arms, the muscles in your triceps. However, if you don't use it, you do lose it when things like incontinence and prolapses can happen. So starting with really simple stuff like changing your diet and doing your pelvic floor exercises, 
Now I will just make a point of saying with your pelvic floor exercises, if you are going to the bathroom, do not stop your flow of urine midway. That's not a pelvic floor exercise. It's really good to identify where your pelvic floor muscles are so you know what the squeeze should almost feel like, but only do it once because all you're gonna do is, again, you're gonna confuse your bladder, and you're probably gonna give yourself a lot of UTIs if you keep doing that. So don't do that. <laughs> so Jade, you've mentioned a lot about pelvic floor exercises and where can women access that kind of information so that they can actually learn these exercises and start to implement them into their daily life? Yes, and there's loads of different ways to get free access to pelvic floor exercises. The NHS has a really good website about them. The NHS also does an app called Squeezy, which I think at the moment was about £3 from the App Store. It tells you how to squeeze, how long for, and also really helpfully, it sends you push notifications on your phone. So you get little reminders telling you to do them, which is amazing because if you're like me, you've got a brain like a sieve and you'll forget after about 10 seconds. <laughs> Whereas this app actually tells you, it's like so once you have done that one time where you've stopped your flow of urine midway to identify where your pelvic floor exercise, your pelvic floor muscles are, then you know what it should feel like when you squeeze. And it's just, if you imagine, if you imagine that you're on a hot date, you're on a really hot date with someone, whoever it is, imagine you're sat in front of them and you're desperately trying to hold in wind. It's that, and then imagine that you're trying to stop yourself from weeing, that is engaging your pelvic floor. And it's that simple. It's, it's not complicated. Of course, if you have got conditions like prolapses, then it can be very, very different. Jade, one of the questions I really wanted to ask about as well was exercises for pelvic floor and core strength. I mean, one of those is definitely, isn't it, um, Pilates. But maybe a question I could ask as well is, are there any exercises that women should avoid to, so that they can protect their pelvic floor? Can be great for your pelvic floor if you have got pelvic floor problems the things to avoid are high impact things so where you are jumping so if you do jump two and a half times your body weight is going through your pelvic floor and if you're like me and you weigh a good like 75 kilos that's a whole lot of weight going through your pelvic floor other things to avoid are wide legged squats so when your feet are wider than hip width because of course as you're squatting down again you're putting that pressure on your pelvic floor and if your pelvic floor is not strong enough it's not a good thing to do but you won't typically see these moves in like pilates classes so they are a really really good way to kind of get back into exercise and also learning how to engage your core which you do like all the time in pilates is really good because sometimes Pelvic floor problems can also stem from having weak lower abs and can have um, weak lower back muscles as well. So making sure that all of these muscles are strong will help hugely. A huge, huge increase in younger women who are having pelvic floor problems because they are lifting big heavy weights over their heads while squatting down. It is putting a huge amount of strain on the pelvic floor. We're seeing a lot of women who are doing HIIT classes all the time who are having more and more pelvic floor problems. And Jade, we are a lot more sedentary, aren't we? I mean, there's a lot more sort of sitting there and slouching, letting your core just become weak and, and not sort of sitting up and engaging the muscles. And, you know, as a yogi, I think that posture is a very important part of helping to support not only your core, making it strong, but also the pelvic floor. I'd love to know your thoughts on that. And also... 
office workers as well, because as you said on posture, your posture has a huge effect on your pelvic floor. So if you are not sitting up straight and you're slouching over, like I am currently, and I'm suddenly very aware of it, <laughs> it, does, it does put more weight on your pelvic floor. So even how you sit in your desk job. So again, like you said about your posture, making sure you're lifting your chest, you're straightening through your spine, can help alleviate problems too. I mean, it's insane how our bodies work and how easy these things are to fix. And you know, Jabe, when I talk to women, I get the sense that a lot of their exercise regimes get driven by weight loss, which of course we know weight gain is an issue in the menopause, but it's also pushing women into an overemphasis on strength building and, and as you said, these HIT classes and boot camps and, and that the emphasis isn't on working with our joints and our muscles and, and keeping us healthy and fit in a, in a positive way that's right for our age but it's you know this overemphasis on on too much of that strength training yeah it's that and also i think women who are going through perimenopause and menopause you know there's a lot going on of course weight gain can be a problem with midlife but i don't think that these type of military type boot camps are the way forward i think if you have joint pain muscular pain and you're feeling tired the last thing that you want is someone shouting in your face making you jump up and down and wetting yourself no no chill out do some yoga do some pilates go for a walk yeah. there's other ways to lose weight than have to pay to someone shout at you for an hour and yeah <laughs> yes, save yourself i mean you talk a lot with ease about pelvic floor exercises but what do you think the level of awareness amongst women, whether they're new mums or whether they're menopausal women, really is about their pelvic floor, what it is, and how they should actually go about strengthening it and protecting it? Yeah, the level of awareness is very, very low. Um, and I think the access to information, it completely depends. So I've spoken to a lot of new mums who haven't even been aware that they should be doing the pelvic floor exercises after they've had baby because it hasn't been brought up in the midwife appointment. I've spoken to women who have gone through perimenopause and menopause when I run specific pelvic floor workshops for them. And they've said, well, no one has ever told us how to fix these problems. Like no one just talks about it. They just assume it's a fact of life. You get a bit older, you have to buy adult nappies or towels to help cover up what you've done. And it's like, no, you don't, you don't, you can fix it. With a good diet, with pelvic floor exercises, you can fix the majority of problems with your pelvic floor. And of course, like there, there are things like prolapses, you can manage prolapses better with just that advice, but you can also look at pessaries. Um, you can also go to your woman's health physio and they will help talk you through a specific plan for you. Prolapses are a little bit different because it does depend on the grade of prolapse, what type, but a lot of them are fixable. It's only as a last resort that perhaps you might have to look at surgery, but that is fewer than 5% of cases. So it's not, it's not that high of a number. Yeah, and I think... It is really simple. It is really simple education around it, but no one, I, I know surely until I got into this area of expertise that no one ever really talks about it. You know, you never talk, you never talk about it in school as you're going through puberty. You never talk about it when you're having a baby, apart from the fact, oh, you need to do your pelvic floor exercises. And then when you've had the baby, people just assume, well, I've had a baby, that's it. 
Now, when you have had a baby, your pelvic floor might be slightly different. For example, you might notice how your flow of urine comes out is different, but there's no reason that you can't laugh without peeing a little bit. It is fixable. And I think teaching women that it is fixable might help them reach out to get help. Because if you don't know that it's fixable, you're not going to get help. And I think it's a real shame that so many women are suffering when they don't have to. I mean, Jade, one of the things I want to ask really is, is about GPs. I mean, are you working with GPs, supporting GPs, so that this information can flow through to their patients? Yeah, so I've run local workshops with some of the GPs that I do work with. Um, I mean, the, min- the, prob- the big problem at the moment is the NHS is under a tremendous amount of strain um, just because of cuts and now with the obvious coronavirus um so it's not it's not a priority for them at the minute which is sad some of the local hospitals that work near me have pap clinics which are really good for pelvic floor work but again it's not a service that's widely promoted but it does feel to me at times that gps knowledge around women's health and particularly around issues like pelvic floor is quite low i mean i don't want to feel like i'm knocking doctors here but i'd love your view as an expert in this field GPs do a fantastic job at being GPs. Women's health is not their speciality. Um, And I think that they have a lot on the plate at the moment. So I think that little things like this are slipping through the net and it is making feel women feeling like they can't get the help that they need and also not getting the attention that they perhaps should. I don't think it's necessarily the problem with the GPs. I think it is just the tremendous amount of work that they are on. So if you are having problems, go and find a women's health physio first and then if you need further help they will be able to diet they, they will be able to refer you on to someone else if needed but start with your women's health physio it's what they're there for it's what they're qualified in you know they know so much about pelvic floor knowledge it'll blow you away jade it does feel to me that there's a lot that women can do themselves at home to start to improve their pelvic floor through diet and exercise <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. And if you haven't, maybe if you haven't got the money to see a women's health physio, then do start with the free advice that is on the internet. Start with the NHS Squeezy app, have a look at the guidelines, see what you can do. And if you don't see a notice or an improvement in your symptoms after changing your diet, after doing pelvic floor exercises, then do consider booking in with a women's health physio. Now, it's the same price as a normal physio. I can't speak for everyone, um, but typically you're probably looking about £30-£40 for an appointment. Um, But again, prices do vary massively depending on where you are. Um, You can Google search them. You know, but it is just about breaking down the barriers and, and telling women that it's okay to reach out for help with this thing. Like, it's fine. A lot of women are suffering. Don't suffer in silence. Don't. And Jade, you know, I know that you're offering a number of services for women who are going through menopause and maybe experiencing pelvic floor issues. What are some of the main ways that women can work with you? We do um, Pilates and menopause workshops together so that women can get the education they need around menopause, around pelvic floor, and all in one place so you don't have to go and see all these different people so if you have got an embarrassing symptom you're not telling the people the same story again and again and again. Jade if you're able could you share how you've worked with one of your clients who's in this menopause transition in being better able to manage their pelvic floor issues I'm quite sure our listeners would feel you know a lot of hope and inspiration if they themselves are going through the same difficulties. So I had a private client who came to me 
Um, she came to me because she was desperate to play badminton and not wet herself. So I put together a little plan for her. I created a couple of videos around pelvic floor exercises that would work best for her. So in her case, she had three children. She didn't have that much time. She had to put post-its around her house to remind, to remind herself to do it. Um, and then she messaged me five weeks later saying that she played a full game of badminton and, and was completely dry, which is amazing news because that's only five weeks. That's, that's like no time. I was thrilled because she also felt like she could do badminton more because she didn't think she had to take multiple changes of clothes just in case. And, you know, when, when you're having to pack for those things, you know, her partner was asking like, why are you taking so many changes of clothes? And she was just like, oh, we never know. I might need to go out afterwards and trying to cover it up and... Again, it was the embarrassment, but yeah, she was thrilled about it. She was so happy. And I was really happy when I got them. Yeah. Um. That's a wonderful story, Jade. And I think just think how much kind of relief that woman must have felt. And also the fact that we don't have to keep pretending to partners and friends that this, everything's okay. Or having to go into the supermarket and buy sort of adult nappies. I mean, it, it's a very embarrassing thing to have to do, especially if you're not really an older person. No, no one wants to spend money on that. No one wants to be seen buying them. You don't have to go to Tesco and walk out with them. That's going to be more embarrassing than the symptoms. I think that's wonderful, Jade. And I just want to thank you for providing so much practical, useful information that women can take away right today and start working with. Well, where can my listeners actually connect with you, learn about the services you offer, and if they want to start working with you, get going? So you can head over to my website, which is jadeblinkhorn.com. Um, I'm sure Clarissa's put my name on the podcast, but if you ever need to know how to spell it, it's blink like you blink your eye, horn like a car horn. Yes, I say that a lot. <laughs> um, but if you're on Facebook, you can also head over to Facebook. If you search my name, you'll find my Facebook page, which is Jade Blinkhorn Health. Um, and you can ping me a message. I am in the process of building a pelvic floor rehab course, um, and that will be available to buy pretty soon. So if you do want to wait for that, then absolutely. But if you have any questions in the meantime, just ping me a message. Jade, thank you once again for giving your time, coming on the show. It's been really informative. I've learned so much. Thank you. Well, I hope you found that really, really informative. I know that I did. And I'm really grateful, Jade, for you coming on board and sharing such your deep knowledge and passion around pelvic floor and how this time in life doesn't have to be difficult if you have urinary or fecal incontinence. Small changes to your diet, the right exercises and pelvic floor exercises can make a huge difference. Next week, join me on the Menopause Project when I talk to transformational coach Annie Gibbons about her own journey through the menopause and her view on this time of life. If you want to know more, about how I could help you go through menopause with greater ease than grace, then connect with me on my website, clarissachristiansen.com. Feel free to reach out to me as well and book a discovery call. I'm here to help you. Until next time, go well. <laughs>